Hello and welcome back to the Sakis podcast, Making Adjustments. Happy December. I'm Alyssa. Today we are joined um, by a very special guest. Would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Teresa Metzger. Mm-hmm. And Teresa, um, what is it that you do in this community? I work for Regional Office of Education Number 11, which is out of Charleston. And ROE 11 is maybe how you've seen it or heard it. I started out with them seven years ago as an attendant specialist. And this transformed the last couple of years into part-time and now full-time McKinney Vento, which is two people's last name. It was a, a federal law. It's a federal, it is a federal law and a state law. And um, we followed here in the state of Illinois. And it's McKinney, a person's last name, and Vento, a representative's last name. And they put the two together, and it's McKinney Vento. So when people say it, I know it sounds kind of, what is she saying? But it's just two people's last name, and it's been lost since 87. Actually, it became the name McKinney Vento in 2000. So it's been around 22 years, and I know that some people still what is that? I haven't heard of it. And if I've heard of it, what is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very surprised to hear it's been around since the 80s. I had no idea. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. Um, And even teachers, even my teachers, when I go to my districts, they are homeless. But to actually say the law, McKinney-Vento is something that some aren't familiar with. Yeah. So can you give us kind of an overview of what the McKinney-Vento law covers, what it is? Yes, it covers a wide range of areas, but it's mainly for students as young as six and as old as 21. They need help with their housing. They need help with maybe school supplies. Um, The one thing that McKinney-Vento doesn't cover, which I think is a little interesting, is food. Oh, Um, okay. We cannot help with food, but, you know, then we look at food pantries and church groups to help with that if there is a need for that. Um, But it basically provides housing and transportation and supplies and maybe needed tutoring after school for students that otherwise are struggling with those areas in their life because they are displaced, because they are moving around a lot, because they live in a tent and it's not fixed. I actually last week had a district call and say they had a high schooler living in a laundromat. Uh, sleeping there and you know that's kind of what you maybe picture more so when you talk about McKinney Vento yeah or living under the bridge or however you picture it but three-fourths of our population is doubled up I moved in with grandma I have to live with my friend and so that's hard to identify it's hard to identify when what do you mean they're they're in a home they've got a roof over their head yes it's not fixed adequate and regular those are the three words that we try to look at is it fixed is it adequate is it a regular dwelling? Are they going to get to stay there or can they be kicked out at any at any given day? Right. And like you said, things like that can really affect how they do, especially in school. Absolutely. If they don't have the stability of their home life. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine when they get to school, school work, reading that book, doing that math problem is not what's on their brain. Right. Okay, where am I going tonight? Uh, where's mom going to take me? Do my brothers and sisters just go with me or is it just me? Things that are a bigger priority for them at that moment than, you know, that worksheet. Yeah. So I guess within your role specifically, what do you do um, as the liaison for this law? Yes. So I'm the lead liaison for Area 4. And when I give the maps out to my teachers, I say we're the blue area of the map. So we cover up to Kankakee, over to Bloomington, Decatur, Champaign-Urbana, 
Danville, and then ROE 11, which is seven counties. Mm -hmm. So each of those towns and each of those cities and each of those school districts have a district liaison. And many times they have questions. Teresa, what do I do? This is a weird situation. Can you help me? Or because I've been doing it a short time, a couple of years, I feel like I still have questions. But I was um, assured the other day that even one of the lead liaisons up north said, Teresa, I've been doing this 20-some years, and I still get scenarios, and I still get questions that, I don't know, i got to look at the law, I've got to talk to you guys. All the other leads throughout our state are just a great resource and a wealth of information. and. Yeah. Not just me as the newbie, but many times the seasoned liaisons too will say, you guys, help me out here. What do you think? And it's a lot of gray. I wish it were black and white. Oh, yeah, that, no, he's definitely McKinney Vento. Oh, she's definitely not McKinney Vento. It's uh, so much gray. It's asking the right questions. It's looking at past scenarios and saying, well, what did we do then? And then we have a state coordinator at ISBE, Illinois State Board of Education, And she is also a great resource to ask and refer us to something in the law that we'd overlooked or just another great resource to call upon. And sometimes it's all of our heads together that come up with a solution or an idea or this is my two cents. This is what I would do. And there you go again. That's where it's just gray. You know, if it were like, oh, well, that's definitely not or that definitely is. That's great. And sometimes it is like that. But generally, it's not. Yeah. We experience a lot of the gray area or a lot of just, you never know what's going to be on the other end of that phone call. You never know when you show up somewhere, Mm -hmm. what it's going to be like. Um, And I think that, like you said, it's just kind of, we have to pull resources together for people who've been doing this work and see what might be best for that client, that person, um, or in your case, that student. Yes. Yeah. So I guess with that being said, um, what are some of the stigmas that you see associated with students and youth who may be considered McKinney-Vento? Just the fact that they're called homeless. That wall can just come up real fast. And that's where I want people to start using and knowing the term McKinney-Vento because at least if they don't know what it is, at least you have that little bit of a of a window then to say, oh, well, let me explain. Mm-hmm. Because when they hear the word homeless, many times, like I said, they just shut down. Yeah. So if they have McKinney-Vento and they can say, what the heck is that? okay, there's your opportunity to explain what it is, try to, you know, get rid of the embarrassment of, you know, it happens, it's temporary, we're going to try to help you get through this. So that stigma alone, just that word can just shut them down and cause them to, no, it's good, I'm fine, move along, go ask, go talk to someone else. Um, So that's why I really trying to, I'm trying to stress that word, that law. Something else though is, they many times look at us and say, are you DCFS? You yeah. got to take my kids. That is not our intention, obviously. Yeah. Um, we are mandated to report things that we see, as many are, but that's not our intention. Our intention is just to get them maybe hotel for a few nights. And I know that seems like just a Band-Aid, but sometimes that's just all they need to like regroup, take a breath. What am I doing? Where am I going? And then, okay, it's, now I know yeah. I have a plan. It takes time. Like you said, it, it takes the pressure of maybe not having somewhere to stay for a few days. And like you said, they can use that time that they have in a hotel to develop a plan for what's going to yes. happen next. Yes. Yeah. And it keeps them together generally. So anyway, that's something we can do is provide that hotel. And then many 
local organizations, faith-based organizations also included in that can help too with a few nights. Um, I've used my connections with St. Vincent de Paul right here in Mattoon. They've helped before with um, supplies for students. And when you deliver something like that, just selfishly, that's a great reward for the deliverer of the supplies or shoes or whatever it is, because you've done something so good and the family's generally so grateful. And that's very rewarding for the person delivering. Right. Um, I think what you said was good about the fact that Maybe sometimes it's the parents who are the ones who feel the shame, but I feel like also the children do, especially like at a teenage level or maybe younger kids who don't understand exactly what's going on or why that's happening. Yes. Um, But they just know that they don't have a permanent home. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, the stigma of the word homeless carries with it a connotation of maybe the laundromat or sleeping under a bridge or in a park or in a car when maybe it could look like, I've heard it referred to recently as hidden homelessness, which Mm -hmm. I'm not sure is much better, Mm -hmm. but it's just sleeping on couches of friends or in their basement or like you said, maybe staying with grandparents for the time being, but they don't have the permanency. I think those are all stigmas associated, um, but maybe if we want to move forward to like what homelessness and what McKinney-Vento for children looks like in this area, is it more so those cases that people have in their head of what it looks like, or is it more people doubling up? Is it more people sleeping from couch to couch? It is primarily doubling up, and what that could also look like is, you know, five mattresses in the living room. Yeah. Because you know, the person they're moving into wasn't equipped to handle four, five, three more people. And so that's just what they're left with. And that's, you know, definitely McKinney-Vento. And the older ones are harder to identify because they may walk to school. Mm -hmm. They may get a ride with a friend. And so there isn't that bus driver saying, I just picked up that kindergartner at one place, and then I picked him up at another place. So it's just those red flags that then you alert the district liaison. Like I said, every district has one. And you say, hey, could you check into that? And they may be like, oh, I know. We've got it covered. Yeah, we already know about this and we've got everything lined out. Or it could be, oh, gosh, I'm so glad you said that because I wasn't aware. So it's, it is the bus drivers and it is the lunch ladies listening to conversation. And, and it is the secretaries who really the frontline people, too, when they come in to register. Maybe there's a red flag there or they see an address that's different. Like, oh, well, this is different than what you had last year. Can you talk to me about that? And maybe it's not the secretary talking to them about that. Maybe it's the counselor that says, oh, yeah, well, you know, first week of school, I'm definitely going to have them on my radar and I'll talk, give give mom a call or talk to the kid or something. So it is, it's just everyone working together. So when we talk about community, that school community is huge. Yeah. Like when I talk to my teachers, I say, I don't expect you, I don't want to put anything else on your plate. I know you've got so much. I was a teacher. I know that. But if you could just be those ears of when they're coloring or when they're, you know, standing in line to walk to lunch and they just say, we got to move in with my grandma. Oh, and again, I'm not asking the teacher to solve that problem. Go to your school liaison and say, hey, I just heard something. You might want to check it out. And that's all we're doing. We're just all working together, listening, trying to get them the best care and remove all those barriers that it can cause as well as we can as a school district. Yeah. Would you like to touch a little bit on the numbers of like what we see around here? Yes. So our counties in Regional Office of Education 11 are seven counties. So it's Coles, Clark, Cumberland, Douglas, 
Edgar Moultrie Shelby. So it's that blue area of the map. I know you can't see it, but it's that bottom southern part, like right before we jump into Effingham County. In those counties, in those school districts, um, there are about 600 homeless McKinney Ventro students yeah. in our ROE alone. So that's 600 some in our seven counties, and then you know more in our area, more in our state, more in our country. Yeah. I think people will be surprised to hear that number. I'm kind of surprised to hear that number. I was expecting it to be higher than I thought maybe in my mind, Um, but 600 is quite a lot, especially considering like I grew up going to a school of 60 people, and a lot of towns around here Mm -hmm. in these areas that you're talking about are smaller, and they do have smaller populations of schools. Um, COVID, the pandemic, our numbers dropped. I go, cool, great, but... You know, think about that a second. It's because we weren't seeing them. They weren't being identified. Yeah. So even in our districts, you have maybe smaller population, but higher numbers of McKinney-Vento students. Why is that? Or is there, are there just that many more kids? Or is, are they just really good at identifying? Mm-hmm. And that's, again, part of what I do. I help those school districts identify and put a name to that situation that's going on with them. And then they mark it in the statewide system and so that's how it gets tracked but um just knowing like i said what to look for and knowing that doubled up i mean i've had people say teresa no they're in a house they have a roof over their head they go home every night yes but it's not their home you know do they have a key to that home are they at risk any at any moment like i said of being asked to leave that's not the security we want that's part of mckinney ventral that's who we help so because of covid and the pandemic, the federal government offered more money to the schools. So we have ARP1, ARP2. American Rescue Plan is what that stands for. And ARP1 came to ROE11, and we distributed it. Uh, What we decided to do was um, we picked 14 different agencies in our counties to help. And if they did food, great. That was their deal. They could help with food. If they did a housing, great. Then they could do more with housing. Um, so whatever their niche was, they could enhance that because of the extra money we gave them. So we were glad to be able to do that. And people have been helped. Families that you know are not right in Coles County that um, were able to branch out into these other counties, maybe more so than we would normally. Mm-hmm. And then um, we also had ARP2, which went directly to the districts. So as long as they applied and were approved, they were able to use this money then also. And, you know, what are they using it for? Well, I think I said in the beginning, tutors, maybe tutors for these students that are falling behind. Or sometimes there's uh, lice issues and they have to do extermination in the home. That can pay for that. Um, After school programs, not just tutoring, but whatever after school program to help the kids because they just need someone else to talk to. More counseling. Right. After school. So, you know, it helped pay for teacher salaries as well as any kind of materials that would go along with these extra programs. So, you know, we were trying to get them to think outside the box and say, you've got this extra money. It may not be coming in the future. What can we do to try to create a lasting impact on these kids? And some people did hire like extra people in their district to help out with these things. So it paid for those salaries. It's been a good thing, and districts have gotten creative, and we've been real glad to see that. um, Yeah. Just to benefit the kids in any way we can. Yeah, that's really great. And like you said, they have not only, like, the compounded trauma of McKinney-Vento and 
COVID perhaps, you talked about like that puts maybe them at risk for other things like lice or maybe there is like domestic disputes mm-hmm. going on at home, yes. things like that. And I mean, in our work at SACUS, we see it from both ends. We see it where sometimes people have experienced abuse um, at home and that makes them displaced. You know, one parent decides to move out with them, especially if it's someone um, that is a close friend of the parent or a grandparent or someone else being abused, or maybe sometimes who they end up staying with is the abuser. Sometimes we have to work closely with schools or go into schools to meet with children, especially if it's a situation where a parent or guardian or grandparent is abusive. But I feel like those are maybe some of the places where our paths might mm-hmm. cross um, because I I know that we have had clients in the past who experience things like that, who are experiencing um, homelessness, who are considered McKinney-Bento. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. And you had mentioned about... Um, the privacy of it. I've been reading more lately about FERPA, which is Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, FERPA. Mm-hmm. And just the confidentiality of what we do too. If a parent thinks that we're just going to announce and broadcast to the school, hey, you guys, I just talked to this parent and um, you know, they just let me know that they'll be living you know, at this hotel for a little bit before they get... No, they don't right. want that. And talk yeah. about stigma. So anyway, if they think this person is just going to broadcast it, announce it throughout the school, or tell their friends, or talk about it at a party, you think they're going to confide in us? Yeah. No, they're not. And and just how important that is um, to keep it all confidential. Yeah. And I, I mean, not that I didn't know it, but I've been reading more about that, and I'm like bringing it more to the forefront for me, so then I can talk about it more when I train my teachers to be like, don't talk about this in the lounge, and mm-hmm. um, just casually, you know, make sure you're very aware of you're only telling the people that need to know. Yeah, because these are real people's lives, and I think when you deal with it every day, sometimes it's easy to to forget that because you just get in the mode of like, this is what we do, and this yes. is how we handle these things. And when you do talk to them. There was a parent that we were able to hear over the phone, and she said, you know, having someone talk to me respectfully, with tact, um, caring, is huge also. You know, it's not just like, oh, check my box, check the box, check the box. Okay, yeah, this, this, no, not this. They're going through whatever they're going through, and it's not easy. And we just have to realize that us being short with them is getting us nowhere And it certainly isn't allowing them to, or certainly isn't giving them the confidence to say, oh, she's someone I'd love to talk to. Yeah, yeah. All this stuff, it all has to come together. And it's a lot, and it is a lot. And that's why when I talk to the teachers, I try to tell them, I'm not adding more to your plate. I just need you to be aware of these things and basically to talk to your liaison who's in your district. A lot of times, maybe the people who are calling have had contact with a social service agency or some sort of um, person in the school before, potentially just someone who maybe didn't treat them with respect or dignity or even just basic kindness. Mm -hmm. And I think that it does make people defensive, um, like you said, or some people just may not have heard of this. They don't know. They don't have the education of what it is. Like you said, they confuse you for DCFS. And that's something that's confused mm-hmm. too. DCFS, the goal of DCFS is not to take children, right. um, even though sometimes that's what ends up happening. Um, but I think just approaching it with seeing the like humanity in people and having empathy right. um, and supporting them, having respect for them as another human being. Yeah, and sometimes it's that simple. Yes. Yeah. Um, something else that I was going to mention was one of the big factors of McKinney-Vento is 
immediate enrollment. So when someone moves, you know, they ask for school records. They may not be able to provide an address. It may be a hotel, like I said. They may not have that power bill that they sometimes ask for to prove. So that immediate enrollment is huge so that they're not sitting at home going, when am I going to get this kids to school? They got to get in school. I don't want them to miss. They've already missed so much. So like high school obviously has to get a schedule, you know, so maybe a day or two, maybe up to three at the most. But, you know, those elementary kids, second grade, get them in, get them to know their classmates, make it the transition as smooth as possible so that this move, this upheaval that they've just experienced doesn't have to be amplified because the school is dragging their feet on enrolling them. I know they need school records. I know they need all that stuff, but get them in first deal with that later. That's really one of the bases of the law too, you know, is, is transportation and getting them immediate enrollment and then removing those barriers to getting them into school. And I think our schools are, are good with that. And I've heard stories where they don't and, or they're dragging their feet about enrolling them because they, oh, they've heard they're going to move. Yes, maybe they will, but maybe they won't. And, and they then they're sitting there. School. They still need to be in school. Yes. So and again, that's sometimes if I have an issue with that or someone calls me and says, Teresa, they're not enrolling them. So I may have to call the school and just remind them of the law. I'm not the pol- McKinney-Vento police, but I do have to remind them and please follow this. This is the law. Let's get them enrolled. What can I help you with? Sometimes people need to be reminded of the law. <laughs> yes. So I guess before we go, is there anything else that you want to touch on or anything else that you feel like people in this community should know? Well, one thing I did want to talk about is I told you about three-fourths of our population is doubled up. Mm -hmm. A very small percentage is shelter living. And why is that? Because we don't have very many shelters. Yeah. I mean, even in our whole state, even in our whole area, like I mentioned, Champaign maybe has the most, as you would guess, with the larger town. But, you know, Mattoon has got the haven. We have a new one in Mattoon I want to talk about a little bit. It's called the St. Mary House. Mm -hmm. And it's only for women and children. Brand new, built, three bedrooms, four twin beds in each bedroom, a laundry facility, two bathrooms. So that's for a mom and their kids, not a male. Yeah. And then there's Matthew 25, which is new in Charleston mm-hmm. on 18th Street. They renovated the hotel. They turn away people every night. The Haven turns away people every night. I'm not saying we need a community full of shelters, but I'm just saying... They're turning away people every night. What does that tell us? That tells us there's the need. And and yeah. there that number 600 comes in. And, um, and that's just youth that we know of. Exactly. Yeah. So the reporting of that, like I said, with COVID, it was less. And I know I, I it's like, why do I want the numbers to go up? I don't want homeless to be an issue. It is what it is. If they're there, we still have to identify them. We're not making the numbers up. If the numbers do go down and we're identifying really well, great. But the numbers are going up because we are learning and we are identifying. And like I said, we're not making them up. They are McKinney-Vento. They are displaced. And we just have to know to identify them in order to get them the help that they deserve. Yeah. I think that while we do have these great resources, we have a shelter, we have like the newer shelters even, they're still turning people away every single night. And I think part of it too is that we have just a lack of housing in general in this area and a lack of specifically affordable housing. Mm -hmm. I feel like especially because Mattoon and Charleston have colleges, I think that that hikes the rent quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Just from my own personal experience and knowing people, regardless of whether you're a student or not. Yes. 
that could very well be that would totally make sense that the housing would be more and then just the availability of it as well like you said yeah yeah well thank you so much for being willing to speak with us today Teresa. we really are appreciative and enjoyed hearing about it well i am so glad to have the opportunity because like i said it certainly isn't a, a law that gets talked about often and so just hearing the words mckinney vento now you um, were able to put two and two together and know what it is <laughs>